0: Thank you so much for checking out the Christian Church of Clarendon Hills podcast. We hope that you enjoyed today's sermon. We invite you to stop by www.ccch.org to find out more about our church and to make plans to visit us on a Sunday morning. It was a few months ago, and I made the parenting mistake of teaching my kids, Nora, kindergartner, Max, a preschooler. I made the mistake of teaching them knock-knock jokes and so now my life daily is filled with constant knock-knock jokes just this is how it is so I need your help this morning I need you to be able to empathize with me I'm going to tell you one of the knock-knock jokes that gets repeated very often in our house okay so I need some participation are you ready knock-knock banana Banana. knock-knock Banana. banana. One more time. Knock, knock. Banana. banana. Okay, knock, knock. Orange. Orange. Aren't you glad I didn't say banana? That's right, I taught my kids that one. I, I, sometimes that, they say, they can go like 12, 14 times saying Banana. And you just have to keep going and going and going. Like, I, I've never realized how relieved it would be to hear the word orange in my entire life. Like, I, I just can't believe that. I'm so excited now when I hear the word orange. It's just, it's glorious. You know, when, when things are repeated over and over and over and over and over again, sometimes it loses its power. It loses its, you know, for a joke, it loses that punchline. It's not as funny. In fact, sometimes when they're telling me this jokes, and Nora and Max think it's hysterical, and they're just cracking up, after a while, they look at me, or they look at Maria, and they're like, Mommy, Daddy, why aren't you laughing? (laughs) Because it's not funny anymore. And it wasn't funny even the first time I told you it. And so all that to say is sometimes repetition loses its power of impact. Yet when we read God's Word... The way that God speaks to us and things that are recorded in scripture, whenever we see them repeated and talked about over and over and over again, that's a way of God getting our attention, reminding us of how something is so important that we can't miss it. So this morning, as we continue the series, New Normal, we're going to be Looking at these few verses that feel a little bit repetitious over these last couple weeks. That God is once again telling the Israelites to do these things of, of rest and, and only collect manna on a certain day. And, and, all, and it's like, did they not get it? Are they not understanding it? Is God, all that to say is that what we are going to see in these few verses this morning is extremely important for us. Because God is repeating it to us again. And as we step into this new normal, it's a great reminder of not only our identity in Christ, but the opportunity to practice what God is telling us to practice, this Sabbath rest, as we take that with us into the new normal, not only for our physical and spiritual benefit, but also as an example to those around us, as well as to generations and generations to come. And so we're going to jump back into the story in Exodus chapter 16, verse 31. If you have a Bible, you can turn there now. The verses are going to be up on the screens throughout the morning. And as we study this passage together, here's our big idea for the morning. So one thing that you and I are going to take away from this passage of Scripture is this. Is that we need to put rest and reflect on repeat. We need to put rest and reflect on repeat. Repeat. This idea of, of Sabbath, of resting physically and reflecting on who God is, is something that we need to do consistently in our lives. It wasn't just something for the Israelites to tell them when to collect bread on a certain day and when not to. This is something that you and I, this principle that we need to carry with, that we experienced in the pandemic, still kind of going through, but it's something that we need to take with us into the new normal. And so we're going to read, starting verse 31, just a moment, just to recap these, couple, these past couple weeks, the Israelites, we've been looking at their story of coming out of Egyptian slavery, God freeing them, and bringing them into the promised land. And so they're in the wilderness, they're in the desert, and they're being led by God, by Moses, and, and through the power of God in him, into this land that God had promised him, to the land of Canaan. And what we have seen is that in the wilderness, the Israelites have to be dependent on God for everything, for their shelter, for their water, and for their food. And last week we learned a little bit of how they were, God was able to provide for the, you know, almost two million people every single morning. At night, he, or every single day, at night He would send quail and meat for them to eat, and then in the morning He would send this bread like substance called manna. And they were to collect this on six days a week, but then on the seventh day, they would not go out and collect enough bread for themselves. They would double down on sat- on Friday, so they would have enough for Saturday, and it was a reminder to them that God was the one in control, that God would provide for all of their needs. That they wouldn't have to work extra hard just like they did as slaves in Egypt where they didn't get any breaks. Now they took this one day to rest from their work of collecting food and reflect on who God is. How amazing God is. How God is their provider. How they need to depend on God for everything. And so starting in verse 31, we see this practically play out, but we get a few other details about this whole Sabbath and collect manna on a certain day and rest on this day. We get a few more details. So Exodus chapter 16, starting in verse 31, it it says this. The people of Israel called the bread manna, which if you remember last week, we said manna means what is it? Because Israelites had no idea what it was. So that's what they called it. It was white like coriander seed, And it tasted like wafers made with honey. Moses said, this is what the Lord has commanded. Take an omer, which is about a couple pounds, of manna and keep it for the generations to come. So they can see the bread I gave you to eat in the wilderness when I brought you out of Egypt. So Moses said to Aaron, take a jar and put an omer of manna in it. Then place it before the Lord to be kept for the generations to come. Now there's a couple of details I don't want us to miss. First is in verse 31. We see the, the taste and the look of manna is described for us. And what it's interesting about it is that it points the Israelites to their future home in the Promised Land, in the land of Canaan. You know, the land of Canaan was typically described as this land of abundance. And the way that it was described specifically was that it was a land flowing of milk and honey not only because those delicacies would be in abundance in that land but just the land itself would be the very abundant land there'd be tons of resources at their fingertips they would have no issues this is not like the wilderness this is not like the desert and so every morning they would go out and they would collect this bread that had a color white as milk and it had a taste sweet as honey Some of you this morning are like, hey, Kyle, why can't we get our communion stuff to taste like that in here? I mean, come on, those wafers. We're struggling with those things right now. I understand that. God's not sending us manna, so we're stuck with what we have. But all that to say is every morning the Israelites would go out. And as they collected this bread, this manna, it was God telling them, hey, you're going to be in the promised land someday. And so what I'm giving you every single day is a reminder that you're not going to be in the wilderness forever. You're not going to have to go through what you're going through every single day. There's going to be a time where it's abundance and it's fruitful for your people. I am going to lead you out of the wilderness. It was always a foretaste. It was always a reminder of the future rest that they would have in relationship with God. But then we see also in verse 32 and 33... That they had to take an omer, a small portion of this manna, and put it in a jar to remind themselves and remind future generations that this is how God provided for them daily. That they would not forget about their spiritual dependence and desperation and need for God in the wilderness. Because when you get into the promised land, you have resources galore. You may forget who's the one that has provided those resources. You may forget who the one you need to be dependent on. Because you see everything in front of you is at your fingertips. And you're just going to be focused on that. And so God tells Moses, Moses tells Aaron, hey, keep this in a jar. We're going to take it with us. So then when the generations and generations to come who are living in the promised land, they will be reminded of your faithfulness. They will be reminded of how we as a people need to be dependent on you, God. And so now in verses 34, 35, and 36, we see this repeated, (laughs) shared once again to the people of Israel. In a different way, but for the most part, it's it's another repetition of this command. So verse 34, In following, says this. As the Lord commanded Moses, Aaron put the manna with the tablets of the covenant law so that it might be preserved. The Israelites ate manna for 40 years until they came to a land that was settled. They ate manna until they reached the border of Canaan. An omer is one-tenth of an ephah. So in verse 34, we see that what's being written here brings in a new element, though that this manna, this jar of manna, would be kept with the covenant laws. So what we're realizing now is that Moses, who is the author of the the book of Exodus, he, towards the end of his life, as he's recorded this narrative, he adds in a detail, as they're on the uh, brink of going into the promised land, after 40 years of being in the wilderness, he adds this detail of saying, yes we did this for 40 years yes this is something that we have with us and now we also have the ten commandments we have the law we don't read about the ten commandments until exodus chapter 20 and so at this point we know moses he's added in a few details to remind these generations that are about to go into the promised land this is actually what happened and this jar is still with us today Now, side note, how miraculous and amazing it is that this manna that would rot and be full of maggots after every single morning if you took too much of it was still preserved in this jar. Like, only God could do that. Just looking at this jar would remind the Israelites that their God is the God of miracles, their God is the God of provision, that their God is the one they can depend on for everything. But then we also see in verses 35 and and 36, not only this reminder that, yeah, we've been doing this for 40 years, but times have also changed. This weird verse in 36, hey, an omer is a tenth of an ephah. Why is that even included? Well, back in Egypt, the Israelites, they measured things with the omer. But 40 years later in a new land, the omer's gone. It's outdated. It's non-existent. Now they're measuring things with the ephah. And so for the children and then the children to come as they're in this land, they'd have to go back and read this and say, what's an omer? Like you and I today, it's like, well, what's an omer, Kyle? Well, it's a couple of pounds. For them, they're already saying this 40 years later in this new land. Mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, what's an omer? Oh, well, it's a tenth of an ephah. Oh, okay. Thanks for speaking our language. You know, it's like when your kids are like, hey, what, a, a cassette." Is that, is that like a bad word or something? I've never heard that before. Like, what is that? It's, this is the same concept. So after 40 years, it would be easy for the generations who are entering to the promised land to forget about how God was faithful. And I, I think this idea of remembering and reflecting is so important. Because when you're in the promised land, you have resources at your fingertips, you're not having to go out every single day and, and, and gather your food and cook it and boil it and work for it, you just got everything everywhere, you may forget who you need to be dependent on. And if you have all these resources, you may forget the need to take some time to rest, to reflect, to remember who God is, and to worship Him and give Him the honor and praise that He deserves for for some of you maybe it's your parents your grandparents even great grandparents they lived through the great depression and and the way that they treat some of their possessions may look a a bit differently than the way you and i treat some of our possessions today they're a little bit more frugal they they save everything and use it till, till till it's completely gone like you want to throw away that ketchup bottle that has like five more squeezes in it they're like no, no no you put that back in the fridge we're not getting rid of that yet You got a hole in your sock? Mm, Well, do you have, are all your toes exposed or just your pinky toe? Oh no, that sock is fine. You keep using that. Think about this phrase. You see a penny on the ground in the grocery store. Nowadays we're like, ah, a penny's worthless. not going to pick it up. But what's that phrase that we learned? Uh, A penny saved is a penny. That's right. They have a different mindset about life and possessions because what they came out of this, this Great Depression caused them to be reminded daily that what they have, they need to take hold of and treasure and value. And so as they moved out of the Great Depression, as our country moved out of the Great Depression, we're like, well, we have resources abundant. Things are all over the place. You can go to a grocery store and there's everything there. And so we're reminded that all the resources that we have, everything that, that is out there, it's all because God has provided And it can be easy to forget when we didn't experience that type of depression that our parents, grandparents, great-grandparents went through. Now, there is something that we all have experienced together. And here's the principle that we can apply from these verses. Is that all of us in this past year, we've gone through this wilderness season of experiencing this spiritual desperation. Of having so much taken away from us. So many of you had to work extra hours, and you had to go crazy, and things were crazy at work, and you had to try to do e-learning at home, and it was just a crazy time in our lives. But everything else was taken away. And so, many of us, especially last summer, we had this unique opportunity in which we could just spend quality time with our family. We had opportunities just to worship online together. And then talk about it within our homes because there was nothing else to do <laughs> throughout, the, throughout the week or the weekend. We were just kind of stuck. We were together. And we realized, wow, that was awesome. That was so valuable. That was so rich for our family. It was so great because it reminded our family of who's in control in this difficult season. It brought us to our knees. It brought to light some things we need to get rid of and, and brought to light some things we need to take with us. Well, as we move into this new normal season and our schedules begin to fill up, we may forsake that quality time that we were just given in this pandemic season. And we may move forward into this new normal and leave it there. And yet what I want to challenge challenge us to do is to remember the Sabbath, to put rest and reflect on repeat in our minds to keep that a part of our family rhythm, to now prioritize our schedules, to set aside time in which we are doing this together as a family and as a church family. It is so important that we continue this rhythm in the new normal because it will always remind us of who's in charge. It will always remind us of who we need to be dependent on. It will always remind us of who we find our identity in. But this isn't just for us physically and spiritually. This is also an example to show and to share with those around us in our community. And we're seeing this take place. They're they're twice as busy now this summer to make up for not being busy at all last summer. And the way we live our lives and model our lives is an opportunity to show the way God has designed us to live. To put rest and reflect on repeat. You know, I think about it in this way. You have those favorite songs on you know, iTunes or Spotify. And anytime you play it, you can just always listen to it. It always speaks to your soul. It's always, whatever it is, it just always gets to you. Or you have that favorite um, series that you love to binge watch, and there's always that one episode, and you know the line is coming. It just makes you laugh, or it, it pulls you in, or it's a tearjerker every time. There are some things in our life that we repeat that are so powerful and important to us. And this Sabbath rest of reflecting on who God is, of resting in his presence, both physically and spiritually, Is something that God has created us to enjoy and to utilize in our lives on a consistent basis. To show off to the entire world that this is what they need for their lives as well. But it's not only for us personally and physically. It's not only to be shared to others in our community who need it as well. It's an opportunity to remind future generations of their need for it too. It's an opportunity to show our kids and then their kids and their, their kids as well that we need to value this time to rest and to reflect on who God is. It's an important thing that God not only wanted the Israelites to remember as they were stepping into their new identity once again as his children, but it's something that you and I, that we, we got to experience in the, the pandemic last summer especially, You know, we got that taste of the milk and honey, right? It tasted so sweet. It was so good. It was so satisfied that we got it every single week. And now we're like, oh, I don't know. My schedule's filling up. I don't know if I can make time for this. Oh, we got to figure out those things. And it's like, no, no, no. Don't forget how that tasted. Because when you get to the the promised land, you get to this new normal, there's going to be resources galore. There's different things to do with your schedule. You can fill up all these different things. Don't forget how sweet it was to just rest and reflect consistently. You're going to need that. In this new normal and so you may be asking yourself okay well what does that look like then how do I consistently do this well as I shared before this service we're going to give you some opportunities to reflect and to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you to begin to put it on your heart and mind what that looks like and so uh, Brian and, and Nathan are going to come back out now and they're, they're going to sing a song over us And then in a moment, Simba, uh, one of our CCCH family, she's going to share and lead us in taking communion together. Remembering Jesus' death and resurrection. The thing that gives us ultimate rest someday in our perfect eternity. And she's going to share a little bit of her story. And how this pattern of rest and reflect was put on repeat in her own life. And how she was able to then now share that with uh, her kids and, and how her and her husband Adi were able to live that out this past year. And after she's done, I'm going to come back up and I'll share a little bit of my story that some of you have heard before, maybe some of you hadn't, of how that impacted me as a child and how Marie and I are trying to, by the grace of God, live that out for a family as well. But right now, I, I want to challenge you to ask God that question God, how do I rest? How do I reflect? How do I put this on repeat so that I'm reminded of it consistently in my life? So I'm going to give you a moment. Ask that question right now. And the thoughts that begin to flood your mind, believe that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. And in a moment, Brian and Nathan will sing over us and as they're doing that, we can continue to ask, continue to reflect, continue to think and prepare ourselves for taking communion together. But take this moment now. Ask God, begin to listen, and believe that he's speaking to you and wants to show you how you can rest and reflect. And so, God, I pray that as we continue to listen, as we reflect on how amazing and awesome you are, Jesus, that you would speak to us. That you would show us what it looks like to put rest and reflect on repeat in our lives. That you would begin to flood our thoughts with practical ways to rest personally, to rest with our loved ones, and to... Reflect and worship on who you are and all that you've done for us? Would you begin to stir it in our hearts and our minds? Ways that we can set aside time consistently to Sabbath so that we can remind ourselves of our need to depend on you for everything. Continue to speak to us now in this moment, Jesus. We, we are listening. Let your spirit speak to us in this moment. Thank you. And we ask these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. We hope that you've enjoyed today's sermon. Please check us out at www.ccch.org and plan a visit for next Sunday. We would love to see you.